Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 114, recorded Sunday, June 18th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Well, hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this Father's Day edition of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yes, it is Sunday, and I moved up my recording a day. You see, I've been in the pool for the past week in the mornings, working with a local high school to train three of their students as open water divers. This is part of my nonprofit, Scuba Educational Alliance of Connecticut. We still have two more days of early morning pool work to get done this coming Monday and Tuesday, so I decided to record a day earlier. The kids are fantastic, dedicated, and motivated, and that makes it all worth it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in my commentary. Yes, it's been very hectic, and that's good for the scuba industry. I think we have done four open water classes this month, along with some night diving certification. Our dive master class also finished up all their work and joined the PADI professional ranks. We have also done an underwater photography workshop, and our training dry suits are on the way. The calendar is certainly jam-packed. So on today's show, I'll be doing another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive, and we're going back to Season 4, when Mike confronts some underwater pirates. But up first is Wet Notes, my news, information, and commentary segment. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Sunday, June 18th, 2023. Up first, I'd like to give you a little bit of an update from Zach Pavkov at Paddy Club. Now, I reached out to Zach to see how things were going. Last year, I told you about the Paddy Club trip that they did down to Key Largo, and that was in September. And I was wondering if they were going to be doing this again. Well, it turns out that Zach has put together two Paddy Club trips this year. The first one is to Belize, and it runs from July 29th to August 5th, where they'll be staying at Ramon's Village and doing 15 dives over six days, including the Great Blue Hole, Turniff Atoll, a dive against debris, and a night dive. The second trip is October 7th to the 14th, where they'll be going to Bonaire and staying at Buddy Dive. They're also going to have themed dives and cocktail events and dinners with five other operators. Now, this really looks like a fun time. You can check those trips out at Paddy Club. The club continues to grow and is now over 20,000 members. Zach did say that the 45-day free membership is no more. It was a great deal while it lasted. I know a lot of our divers took advantage of that offer. But still, there are some fantastic benefits in joining Paddy Club. 
and I'll keep you updated as I continue to check in with Zach periodically. Now here's something that I really wish I could see. The History of Diving Museum in Isle Mirada, Florida, recently opened up their newest featured exhibit. It's called Aquanauts to Astronauts. It opened on May 20th, 2023, and runs through December 31st. The exhibit is designed to educate folks on the relationship diving has with travel to outer space. You remember from my earlier podcast, The Connection, especially between Scott Carpenter, one of the original seven Mercury astronauts, and C-Lab. They're including NASA artifacts, information about how working underwater prepares astronauts for space, and a lot more. By the way, they're offering free admission to all active duty military. Like I said, I would really like to see this one, but my schedule is just so packed this year, I won't be able to find my way down to Isle Mirada. If you can, however, be sure to check out the History of Diving Museum's Aquanauts to Astronauts exhibit before the end of the year. The latest edition of Alert Diver from Dan has arrived this past week. Like always, there is a lot of information, great information, in the edition. And I was pleasantly surprised to see a photo taken by Brandon Schwartz of Meredith Tangay and James Mott demonstrating an airshare with the seven-foot hose. You might know those two from the Great Dive podcast. And there was another great article on protecting Hawaii's fishes by Doug Perrin. I have a lot of dives off of Maui and Lanai and have always loved the endemic species in the Hawaiian Islands. You even learn a little bit about underwater crime scene investigation. I'm still making my way through the edition. Now there's something for everyone. And the printed version of Alert Diver is available with your enhanced membership. And I think it's worth every penny. And now for some commentary. Well, my wet notes, news and information part was a little bit shorter this week because it's been a very hectic couple of weeks for me. Hectic because in addition to all the day-to-day activities at the shop, I've also been teaching an open water class at one of our local high schools as part of our nonprofit, Scuba Educational Alliance of Connecticut. Now, I'm co-teaching this with Ron, one of our instructors, who so generously offered his time. If you're a longtime listener, you might remember Ron as my first interview on Scuba Shack Radio, and he talked about how he and his daughter Lizzie got into diving and both became instructors. Well, Lizzie is now a Ph.D. candidate in marine biology at McGill University, and she's also on our board of directors for the nonprofit. We're a family here at the dive shop. Now, this has been an incredibly rewarding experience for me, Ron, and the students. Our class is very small. We have three high school students. One young woman just finished up her senior year, while another will be uh, going into her senior year next year. We also have a young man who's a sophomore in the class. It's rewarding to watch these young people gain confidence as they develop their competence in the water. The first day, there was a lot of anxiety and a little fear. Seeing them overcome this hesitancy and fear is invigorating. But here's even something more special. You see, these kids probably would have never had the opportunity to even try scuba diving. For whatever reasons, the idea of becoming a diver was just so far out of reach until we came along and offered them this program. Becoming a scuba diver 
not only takes an investment in time, it also takes a monetary investment that puts it out of reach for a number of young people. And young people are something that we need in the diving right now, and not just from an industry standpoint. We need these young divers to be ocean advocates as well. Now, here's a little antidote. One of our young women in the course is turning 18 today. I was talking to her about this milestone, and one of the things that she is now able to do is vote. Voting matters. And as she becomes a scuba diver, perhaps her experiences underwater will influence her voting in the future. By the way, she's also heading down to Florida for college later this summer, and hopefully she'll now have the opportunity to dive down there. Our class continues tomorrow, and Lizzie is coming down from Montreal to be a part of our final two sessions. She will relate her journey as a scuba diver and the impacts it made on her life, a positive role model for our students, and possibly a mentor for one of our young women who would like to pursue marine biology and possibly attend Lizzie's alma mater, the University of Florida. How great is that? Last month, I did a segment on the five things that scuba diving can teach people. Well, there are so many things that scuba diving teaches people, whether you're just learning to dive or whether you're a seasoned dive professional. When I started the nonprofit, I thought maybe it would be just about providing scholarships to students to go off and take their open water course somewhere. Running a course specifically for a group of high school students is a lot of work. But what this course has taught me is that it's worth it. It's worth it to see the students bond, grow, and succeed. And perhaps we've planted the seed that can make a difference in their lives. Well, that's it for this installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. It's time for another installment of Sea Hunt. It's still alive here on Scuba Shack Radio. And this time we're headed back to Season 4, Episode 25 for Underwater Pilots. Now, Underwater Pirates premiered on June 24, 1961. This episode opens up with an underwater scene. Mike and his old Navy UDT buddy from Korea, Sam Carter, have found a shipwreck. Mike tells us that it's the wreck of the Toronto. There's a fortune of brass and copper on board, and Mike is hoping to help Sam start up a new salvage company with the rewards from the Toronto. As they're surveying the wreck, Suddenly, a bell starts ringing. There is some sort of trouble topside. Mike and Sam head up, and as they get to the Argonaut, we see Sam's wife, Norma, looking a bit frantic. You see there's a salvage boat just off the wreck, and a small boat with two divers, Brady and Doak, is heading towards Mike's boat. As they approach, Mike questions them about why they're out there. They tell him that they're going to look for lobsters on the wreck. Somehow, Mike doesn't believe these two characters are bug hunters. The two bad divers then jump in and descend down to the wreck. Something's not right, so Mike and Sam head down to see if these guys are really hunting lobsters. My guess is 
They're not. Mike and Sam see Brady and Doak on the wreck, sketching on a slate. Mike challenges them and signals them to get out. He can't prove anything, but he knows these guys are up to no good. Our two bad divers decide to leave and head to the surface. Doak thinks he's a real ladies' man and yells up to Norma, Hey, doll, you miss me? Mike and Sam surface just in time to see Brady and Doak get back in their boat. They almost run them over and head to the salvage craft. So now, what do Mike, Sam, and Norma do? The bad guys are going to wait like vultures to swoop in when Argonaut heads back to port. And the Coast Guard isn't going to babysit the wreck for four days it'll take Mike and Sam to get back on site. They have to have a plan, and Mike suggests they use the same booby trap plan that they pulled off at Inchon. The scene now shifts to the bad guy's boat. They have a third guy on board, Charlie, and he's looking at Argonaut when he spots Mike working with a radio buoy. Brady and Doak are trying to figure out just what's going on with this gizmo. Charlie says maybe it's some sort of space thing. Brady makes a joke about that, and you see, according to Doak, he knows everything. We now start to get more details on Mike and Sam's plan. You see, they're going to set up a booby trap in reverse. They want the bad guys to find the trap, think they're disarming it, when in effect they'll be setting it off. Underwater, they're rigging up switches under the cargo. They have set up two switches, and Mike tells us they now have two chances to cut their throats. He then runs the cord up through the cargo hatch and under some deck plates. Easy to spot. Even a bloodhound with a cold could find it. So now the trap is set. Mike and Sam get back on board Argonaut, pull up anchor, and speed toward the bad guy's salvage boat. Charlie tells Doak that he better call Brady. Mike pulls up alongside the salvage boat and asks who's in charge. It doesn't matter because he tells them he's rigged the wreck with a burglar alarm. It's going to send out a signal to the Coast Guard, and it won't stop until boom. End of story. Charlie is now a little worried. Brady calls him Mr. Spaceman as he says that he can beat the burglar alarm. That's what got him kicked out of the Army when he beat the one at the PX. Next, we see the salvage boat make its way to the marker buoy on the wreck. Our two underwater pirates, Brady and Doak, are ready to dive. Doak tells Charlie to monitor the Coast Guard frequency, and if it starts to beep, he should tug on the rope that he tied off to Brady. They jump in and start their descent with a large cargo net. Down into the cargo hold they go. Brady easily finds the switches under the box and traces the wire up. He starts to rewire the trap. He thinks he's disarming it when, in fact, he's been fooled. The rewire triggers off the radio to the Coast Guard. Mike, Sam, and Norma hear the booby trap being tripped, and so does Charlie on the boat. He pulls on the rope attached to Brady, and Brady heads to the surface, leaving Dope behind. Brady climbs on board and tells Charlie that they need to cut the line to the cargo net and hightail it out. Charlie at first doesn't want to do it, but Brady prevails, and Charlie takes an axe to the line on the winch. The cargo net below, filled with boxes, crashes down on Doak, trapping him underwater. Brady and Charlie hightail it out, leaving Doak behind. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Mike, Sam, and Norma have been anchored just over the horizon, and they head back to the beeping buoy, only to find the pirate ship gone. It's time to go down and see just what these guys did. That's where they find Doak. Mike and Sam can't move the heavy boxes, so Mike sends Sam topside for a hydraulic jack while Mike tends to Doak. 
he can't breathe and he's having trouble with the regulator. So Mike takes off his weight belt and pulls his shirt up over his head, turning it into a breathing bag. It works. Sam comes back with the jack and they're able to free Doak from under the heavy boxes and they take him to the surface. They saved his life and maybe he'll be rehabilitated. Maybe? In the next scene, we see Doak sitting on the boat. He's sort of smiling and he turns to Norma and says, you send me, doll. Norma replies, to jail. That's where that cutter will take you. We now see the Coast Guard cutter coming. Doak says, all right, least I could do for you guys is putting Brady and quite a few others out of business. Sam turns, uh, Sam turns to Mike and says, thanks for putting me in business. Mike replies, I only hoped, now stay in business and don't get into a fight with your pretty wife. Sam says, that's the one problem he can't whip, the only one. Mike then replies, I believe you, buddy. He turns with a smile and waves to the cutter approaching as we fade out. So that's Underwater Pirates from season four of Sea Hunt. The bad guys are never a match for Mike Nelson. Someday, I'm going to try to figure out just how many bad guys Mike encountered over the course of the four seasons of the show. Maybe I'll do that when I retire for the second time. Once again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, and thank you for tuning into the show. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with more Scooby Shack Radio. Until then, take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.